Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. It was another exciting week. Today was an extremely exciting day. Uh, we had the result in the George uh, Floyd killing. Uh, Chauvin, the police officer, was convicted. I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh, that carried most of the week. Listening to it ran for almost two weeks. I listened, I listened to it almost every day, not all of it. Uh, but then again, I would. I'm a retired lawyer. Uh, otherwise, China and the United States, China agreeing that they want to do environmental things with us. But otherwise, otherwise, Xi, uh, the president of China, made a mocking fool of the United States. Uh, just as Putin is. Putin's making a fool of the United States with the Ukraine. Xi uh, is making a fool of the United States with everything. Why? It's very simple. When you're down and you're out, everybody wants to stop on you. And they're testing us. China, Russia, they're testing the United States. They're testing Biden. How is he going to be? Tough guy like Donald Trump, who screwed everything up. Uh, or a nice guy like Joe Biden, but no strength, uh, no te- brass testicles and so forth. He's being tested, okay? Uh, and those are the things that went on this week. So let's, uh, where are we going to go tonight? Oh, we got a lot of places to go tonight. We're going to go to Minnesota, Key West, Kudjo Key, Sugarloaf, Big Pine, Washington, D.C., Afghanistan, Massachusetts, Hollywood, <laughs> New York City, Florida, and China. So let's start with the George Floyd verdict that came in today. Chauvin was found guilty on all three counts. He didn't get a break anywhere. Uh, he's going to do jail time, no question about it. The um, I thought, I wrote about this three times, the trial, during the course of the trial in my daily blog, Key West Lou. Uh, the first two days of the trial is critical of the defense attorneys because the prosecution was asking many leading questions that were improper, and the defense attorney didn't object one iota to these questions. I couldn't. He, he, uh, the prosecution got a lot of crap in the first two days. They shouldn't have had the defense lawyer been sharper. But beginning with the third day, I've been impressed with the defense lawyer. The prosecution did a wonderful job. I mean, they put so much time into this case. I've never seen a better prepared case. Uh, On the other hand, uh, the defense lawyer, he had a lousy case, okay? The lawyer representing Chauvin, no question about it. Absolutely lousy case. You don't have to be a lawyer to know that. Uh, So what he did was he knew, he knew, a unanimous vote was required to convict 12 votes. If just one person on that jury decided to vote against conviction, you had a hung jury, and Chauvin would have walked out of that courtroom a free man today. I thought, and all you need is reasonable cause, you know, a reasonable cause why you think this guy might not be guilty. There were so many items that the defense counsel brought up, perhaps too many, but that was all he had here. He had to bring up things that a juror might say, oh, my God, if that car was running, the exhaust fumes. Oh, oh, this witness said that the pressure on the neck had nothing to do with it. Uh, Oh, 
it was the drugs, the phenytoin, uh, of this, of that. And if he could create a reasonable doubt in one of the jurors' minds, Chauvin was free. He didn't, obviously. I thought he did a good job. i got to say this to the defense lawyer. Uh, from the third day on and trying to create reasonable doubt, he had a very, very tough case. Uh, I didn't know. I thought he might do I've seen too many of these cases where you have a sure winner and you end up with a loser. Uh, and I, thought, I didn't think he was going to, the prosecution was going to be able to get the 12 votes. I was wrong. And justice triumphed. And Chauvin was taken out of the courtroom in handcuffs. Now, he's convicted of three charges. Uh, Second-degree intentional murder. It's a felony. Uh, Third-degree murder. And second-degree manslaughter. The charge that carries the most time in jail is the second-degree intentional murder. Forty years is the maximum sentence. Now, I was watching people, even on the national media the last few days, and tonight, nobody does their homework, or very few seem to do their homework, and maybe I'm smarter in this area than most people because I spent nearly 50 years as a trial lawyer. Their 40-year sentence, he's not going to get it. Chauvin is not going to be sent to jail for 40 years based upon that second-degree intentional murder conviction because... Minnesota has a has a sentencing guideline law like the federal government does. And from what I can gather, from what I've read this week, expected that he will get 12.5 years, not 40 years, sentence for the second degree uh, intentional murder. Pretty good breakdown from 40 to 12.5. The problem arises this way, though. He's going to get jail time for the third-degree murder charge. He's going to get jail time for the second-degree murder charge. Uh, here's what can happen. Follow what I'm going to say. I'm going to, I'm going to share two words with you, both beginning with C. Sentence, you've got three different sentences that are going to come in there. He's convicted of three crimes. Each one carries a separate sentence. The judge will give him so many years for the first one, maybe 12.5, could go 40, won't I'm saying 12.5. He may give him seven or eight years for the second. And then for the manslaughter, maybe four or five. Now let's say all this totals up to, I don't know, like 20 years, 25 years. Uh, if the judge says that the terms, the sentences, run consecutively, He's got a problem because that means that each sentence is piled on the other. The 12.5 years, then let's say the second sentence is uh, eight years. That would make it 18.5 years, and the other one four years. Now he's got 22.5 years because they're added on each other. It is consecutive. On the other hand, and this is what happens in most cases, a judge will charge Give them jail time for all three, but run the sentences concurrently. First, I explained consecutively. Now I'm explaining concurrently. When they are concurrent, the judge says, you serve time at the same time on each charge. So, for example, the first year of the 12.5 sentence, the first year of the eight-year sentence, the first year of the four-year sentence, is not three years. It's one year because you you, you – Go to jail for 
these sentences, but they're joined together. You, you serve the time for each one at the same time. Now, there's where you've got a problem, whether it's going to be consecutive or concurrent. Uh, who knows? This is a case that's reached, achieved national publicity. It's a winner. I hope it changes things in this country with regard to police killing blacks. Uh, big day today, i got to tell you, big day today in this country. We'll see. And those are some observations I wanted to share with you. Uh, regarding concurrent, consecutive, and whatever else on the sentencing. Now we're going to go to Key West. Going to spend a few, uh, little time here in Key West tonight. I, I don't give Key West enough time right lately. Uh, to be born in Key West, like my grandson Robert, who's 16 years old now, my granddaughter Allie, they were born here in Key West. They are conks. C-O-N-C-H. They are conks. It is an honor to be a conch in this town. You have absolutely no idea. Uh, it's something special. You were born here. You're a conch. Now, where did this term conch come from? Well, you know, when some people have a baby today, they put a balloon or a bunch of balloons out in the porch or on a tree on the lawn. So everyone knows, happy occasion, baby in this house, new baby. Well, in the old days, they didn't have balloons down here in Key West, I guess, because what they would do to let the whole world announce, no, to announce to the whole world, a new baby lives in this house, they would take a stick three or four feet high, stick it in the ground, and then take a conch shell. Now, conch shells can run big, as big as a football. That's an extreme, but they do. But you can see they're big size, and they would take the conch shell and put it on top of the stick, Conch shell, the balloon today replaces the conch shell, but the conch shell told the whole world there was a new baby, and that's where the term came, the baby's born a conch. Interesting. Uh, Now, square grouper, square grouper, my friends, back in the 1970s and the 1980s, uh, marijuana was big time in the drug business and the drugs were coming, marijuana was coming off Cuba, other places in South and Central America, and everybody was coming in through the Keys in Florida. Uh, this, this town boomed. Everybody was into drugs, not using them, selling them, primarily marijuana in those days. Uh, and they had trouble getting the stuff in in the 70s and the 80s because they were bringing them in by boats. And whether it was the Coast Guard, the Navy, or what have you, they were adept at catching these people, the drug dealers, bringing the the marijuana in in boats. So the drug dealers came up with a good idea, and it worked pretty effectively. They took marijuana and put it, made a bale out of it with a rope tied around it. What do I mean? Uh, Think you're in a store. You buy something, and they wrap it in brown paper, Okay. It's a square box wrapped in brown paper, and then they put a rope or a string around the outside of it and cross the strings, and it's in bail form now. Well, they didn't use paper. They used plastic sheets and so forth. But they used to take these bales that weighed 8 pounds, 9 pounds, 20 pounds, and they would drop them off as they were approaching the keys primarily Key West, but as they were approaching the Keys, 
They would drop them out of airplanes into the ocean. Or a special speedboat would come and drop it in the water. Now, what could this do? Who's going to get it to land? Well, there were part of the drug team involved people who knew where the drops were going to be because those things floated on top generally. And they would go by immediately and pick them up with a boat. And this was a safer way of doing it. They still got caught, but more marijuana and other drugs got through. The bales, they called it, they were bales, the marijuana, came to be called square grouper. Why square grouper? I don't know. That's a fish down here, the grouper. But it became square grouper. Now, this week, because we've got a resurrection, it seems, of uh, bales of marijuana, square groupers. This past week, two bales of pot of marijuana uh, came and ended up on the beaches. Uh, and uh, the first one was in uh, Sugarloaf, Sugarloaf Key, about 15 miles north of us here in Key West, nine pounds. The next day, they found one on Big Pine, eight pounds. That's 30 miles up the road. Uh, unusual. We don't get them. We get them rarely now. Uh, but square grouper is back in season, apparently. Again, it was a nickname given to bales of pot thrown overboard or out of an airplane in South Florida waters in the 70s and the 80s. There is, in, Key West, in the Florida Keys also, a restaurant called the Square Grouper. And I must mention the Square Grouper restaurant. Absolutely fantastic. One of the finest restaurants in the Florida Keys. Uh, Regular dress, you know, whatever you wear during the day, shorts, a t-shirt, male, female. The food is outstanding. And it's been in business about 10 years. It was an immediate hit. It's a hit to this day. You must wait to get a seat. Uh, And it's called the Square Grouper. Just sharing, my friends. Go when you're down here, if you are down here. I want to talk about turtles for a moment. We are now into the nesting seasoning, the keys. Uh, Example, with turtles, nesting season turtles. What turtles do is the turtle carrying the eggs comes out of the ocean. She digs a hole in the sand, and she sits and she deposits the eggs, a lot of eggs. These are eggs in a shell. Not as big as a chicken egg, but she's got eggs in the shell, and she covers them up with sand. And then she goes on her merry way. Those, I don't know how long they sit before they hatch, but eventually they break out of their shells, These little, and they're baby turtles, they're tiny, and they fight their way up through the sand, and now they want to go to the ocean. And the way they get to the ocean is the moonlight. It's a natural thing. The light of the moon draws them to the water. Now, here are the problems. They have a two-fold problem situation. One, you've got to be careful where you walk on the beach. I mean, let's picture this on Smathers Beach on South uh, Roosevelt uh, Boulevard, uh, across from Las Brisas and the motels down there and hotels, the Sheridan. You've got to watch where you walk. You can see a little indentation in the sand. If you don't watch, you're going to kill about 15 uh, little turtles before they even hatch. The other problem, and this is so interesting, are lights. You have to remember, the ocean is on 
one side of the beach. Then there's the beach, the road, and across the street are the condominiums on South Roosevelt Boulevard. The condominiums at night, they're, they're lit up. The windows and their balconies, they got lights on. So the problem is the turtles are attracted to the condominium lights and think that's the moonlight, and they start crossing the road. So over the years, the condominium owners and renters, uh, they do their thing. They pull the shades, the drapes, and everything else so the light does not shine out the window onto the beach. Another problem was we put up new lights down here 10, 15 years ago on, on the boulevard running along Smathers Beach. New street lights. Terrific. You have no idea how bright it is daytime. But it was a tragedy. I mean, they, these little baby turtles would crack out of their shells. They come up. They want, they want to go to the ocean. Their instinct says, take me to the ocean. They think those street lights are the moonlight, and they were crushed by automobiles big time when those new lights went in. So the city did the right thing right away. The lights, the street lights on the boulevard of Smathers Beach are closed. They're never opened at night during the nesting season. So for several months, there are no lights uh, on the boulevard. Got to help the, ch the turtles. And if you do walk, it's very, very dark, but it's the right thing to do to help our baby turtle friends. Uh, Biden in Afghanistan. What he did was a good thing. I mean, he said this week, Joe Biden said, we're getting out of Afghanistan. We've been there 20 years. We're down to 2,400 troops. Uh, in effect, he wouldn't say it this way, but we're not going to win. We haven't won in 20 years. When are we going to win? <laughs> okay. I'm bringing them home. By September 11th, because we, we went in there as a result of 9-11 20 years ago, because uh, we thought some people, the Afghan people, uh, were responsible for 9-11. And we never left. And these, I gotta tell you, these people hang in there, these Afghans. They, they don't care who you are. They like the Vietnamese. No matter how many you kill, they're gonna fight you. They're never gonna give up, because that's the nature of the animal. Anyhow, everybody says, and they say it in the news, and in the papers, in the magazines. Isn't it wonderful? After 20 years, he's gonna, somebody's finally going to get us out of Afghanistan. Well, I wanna tell you something. Uh, we, by the way, we also have spent $2 trillion just for U.S. military in Afghanistan in the 20 years. Uh, here's the story. We're not getting out completely. He has not talked about, and it's been brought up very little in the media, and that's how I found it was in the media, we have contract soldiers, okay? They're contract they're Pentagon contractors. They're, they're, the people have private corporations. They hired retired uh, military personnel, retired police officers, and they send them to a country to fight on behalf of the United States, but you never hear about them. You don't know what it costs. You don't know how many die. And whereas we only have 2,400 American soldiers left that were taken out of uh out of uh, uh, Afghanistan, we have 8 
18,000 private contractors that will remain. I mean, so it's like a joke. It isn't the whole story. I don't know why they don't talk about the whole story. We've got special forces that are going to remain, Pentagon contractors, and intelligence operators. These are all, in effect, civilian people on private payrolls. Now, why did our government do this? Okay, The reason they did this was, look at all the money in our budget. We have all these wars going all the time. And now the budget gets bigger and bigger because of ta- uh, the taxes we need to, to, to levy on people in order to pay for the wars. And so the people won't know how much the wars are really costing. This year, our defense budget is $760 billion, I think. It's a hell of a lot more. It might be even more than twice that number. Uh, into the budget, maybe not in the Defense Department, maybe in the State Department, someplace else, they, they put the, the contract soldiers someplace else, the CIA and everything else. And so we're spending money, but technically it's not for the U.S. military because that's not the way it's allocated. And they never tell us. The government never tells us, and Biden didn't tell us. I love Biden, but he didn't tell us here, and he should. Uh, the other thing is with um, dead soldiers coming back. The more soldiers we have in a war zone, the more dead there are going to be American soldiers. And they all fly, fly back, I think it's to the Dover uh, uh, airline, air, air, airport, military airport, the bodies. And when the, it used to be when the bodies came in, there was a big ceremony. The president used to go down that day. The families of these dead, military dead would go down. Their bodies would come off in caskets. The American flag cloaking the caskets. It was a big deal. But do you know how many people, the, all of America, not just the parents and the families of the dead soldiers, were aware every week, more and more dead, because the press was there. They're taking pictures of the president, putting his arms around a family and everything else. And the people of our country, the people of the United States, became aware. Look at how many people are dying in this stupid war. So they stopped doing this two or three presidents back. And you never see the pictures anymore, so you don't know. Uh, Biden should have told us about the 18,000 private contractor people and so forth. Uh, The people of this country have to understand where the money goes, number one, and that even though we're getting out, we're not getting out. That's simple. Okay. Now, Afghanistan is known as the graveyard of empires, the graveyard of empires. What do I mean? Three countries have spent a lot of time there trying to conquer Afghanistan, uh, whether they're after the Taliban, ISIS, or who. I don't know why, why we were even there, okay, except for they said it was for 9-11 and it turned out not to be. Uh, but the United Kingdom spent years trying to defeat the Afghans and did not. They had to leave with their tails between their legs. Then Russia went in there for a hell of a lot of years and tried to conquer Afghanistan and couldn't. And they left with their tails between their legs. And now the United States technically is leaving with its tail between its legs. You know, we get involved in wars we shouldn't. 
We shouldn't have been in Afghanistan. To this day, I don't understand why we spent 20 years in Afghanistan. Just like Vietnam. We didn't belong in Vietnam. I'm part of that 60s group that thought we did not belong in Vietnam. And look what happened. The Vietnamese people, the Vietnamese military, they never gave up. They refused to give up. They didn't care how many people they lost and what happened in the end. We were ashamed. They were shooting at us, trying to get our last group of Americans off the roof of the Saigon United States Embassy. They, we really had the tail between our legs. Don't understand these things sometimes. May West, May West, May West, Matt, this is a cool story. May West, you've all heard of May West, that big buxom blind of years gone by. Uh, it, it happens that this past week in 1927, she was on trial uh, because she was doing a Broadway show. Her first Broadway show was called Sex. She played a prostitute. Uh, the authorities arrested her, arrested her uh, and she was convicted after a trial of obscenity and corrupting the morals of youth, which really wasn't true. People were no straight arrow back there in 1927. Uh, so she did her 10 days in jail. Actually, she got two off her good behavior and paid the fine of $500. She did two more uh, shows on Broadway, sexual in nature. One was Oh, this is ter- homosexuality, and the other was the constant, uh, the constant, the constant sinner. Another sex uh, Broadway show. Uh, the public loved their shows. The government did. The local government and state governments in New York were harassing her and closing down these other two shows, but not arresting her again. In the meantime. Hollywood calls her. Come to Hollywood. We want you. We'll make you a movie star. The woman's 38 when Hollywood called her. Women 38 were no longer making films. You don't see that many older women in those days, even these days, uh, having starring roles in films. Paramount Studios at the time was on the verge of bankruptcy. and they, But their management said, we've got to do something desperate. And what they did was they convinced uh, May West to come to Hollywood to make a movie. They agreed to pay her five thousand dollars a week, which was eighty eighty thousand dollars a year. A lot of money. A lot of money. Lot a a lot of money. Five thousand dollars per week, equivalent to not eighty thousand a year. Five thousand per week in nineteen twenty nine was equivalent to. $80,000 a week today. So she went. She made a couple of movies for Paramount. They were so successful, Paramount never went bankrupt. She became the richest paid, the most highly paid star in America. In fact, she became the highest, the second highest person earning a living in the United States. The only one who made more money than Mae West was William Randolph Hearst the newspaper publisher. In the meantime, she is in love with a black gentleman and living with him. His name was William Jones. Uh, He was a boxer and had been her boyfriend for years. She's living in this fancy building in Hollywood. And they said, we, your boyfriend has to leave. They were discriminating the the management. They didn't want blacks. She, She wouldn't put up with that crap. She took care of the problem very easily. She bought the building. That's the kind of lady she was. 
Now, her first movie was with uh, our good friend Cary Grant. Cary Grant and she made a movie. Uh, this was her first movie. It was his first movie. He never made a movie before Cary Grant. He became a star. She became a star. Uh, and the movie went well. The, the movie was the one where the line came from that famous line, come on up and see me sometime. Okay, come on up and see me sometime. She had other cool lines in some of her films. I'm going to share a few with you. I think they're cute. Uh, when I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, it's better. Good girls go to heaven. Bad girls go everywhere. I used to be Snow White, but I drifted. Uh, so that's that's the story of May West. Well, that's my show for this week. I have so much more I want to share with you. I'm not going to have an opportunity tonight, though. Uh, a lot of material left. I'm thinking of enlarging this show, but if I do, I want to talk to people. I want to have people call me in, I think. I've been playing with the idea and talking to my platform people. Anyhow, uh, I love doing the show. I say it every week. I thank you for joining me. My numbers go up every week. I love this show. It's an ego booster for me, I'll be honest, okay? Uh, but such is this week's show. I'm glad that you opted to join me to listen in. I thank you and say good night.